This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and Father's Day is coming up this weekend. We have some fun content teed up for today, so let's go through the order. First, going to cover our bases. I have a couple updates for pro and NCAA softball. Then we'll head into the interview. And this is one of my favorite guests we've ever had. Just so happens to be my dad slash coach. And we can literally talk softball all day, every day. So this is part one of our conversation. And, you know, it's going to be good. The father-daughter dynamic is something special and it's a lifelong thing. So then we'll wrap things up with the double play tip of the week. So let's get started. Covering our bases. So pro softball is starting to get back on the field. The independent team, the Scrapyard Dogs, started up on-field workouts together. And remember, the dogs are competing with the USSA Pride this summer. The schedule actually just dropped, and they'll start next week. So soon. And then they're going to go until the beginning of August. That's the plan. Playing each other all summer long. We've actually had former guests on this show, Monica Abbott, Kehlani Ricketts, Kelsey Stewart, who was on the panel last week, and a lot of their USA teammates, Kat Osterman, Aubrey Monroe, Val Arioto, Ali Carter, Haley McClenney, all playing with Scrapyard. And on the pride side, I like that rhyme, you got studs like Sierra Romero, AJ Andrews, Dallas Escobedo from Team Mexico, Shelby Penley, and more. So lots going on there. The Pride said on Instagram that actually they'll be streaming all the games on USSALive.com. So TBD on any other streaming options, but live softball is upon us. Also, ESPN named their greatest all-time team for NCAA. The all-time list of the best NCAA players to ever play the game. And they came up with two different teams, actually. One was the fan vote. And the other was based on the ESPN broadcaster's vote. And they both featured amazing players, obviously. But I have to say, the fan vote had major recency bias, including some players who haven't even graduated yet, like Rachel Garcia and Sis Bates. I mean, obviously, they're both unbelievable. But the people they seemed to replace was kind of shocking. There was no Lisa Fernandez in the fan vote. How do you not have the literal GOAT, the actual greatest of all time in every facet of the game. Natasha Watley wasn't there either. She was one of the best shortstops ever and a triple threat on the left side. Her accolades are too long to list, even though I've done it before when she's been on this show. Stacey Newman also missing. Aubrey Monroe was actually in her place at the catcher position. Stacey had the home run record until Lauren Chamberlain broke it not so long ago. And remember, this is NCAA performance specifically for players. So not pro, not international, NCAA. So looking at the stats, Aubrey actually didn't hit above 300 in a season at Florida, although she was a national champion and has certainly continued to make a name for herself since then on the Olympic team now. Stacy's career average, on the other hand, was over 400. So I'm thinking that in addition to recency stuff, this could be more of a defensive vote, though, which I respect because I think we need more focus on defense in general. Aubrey did not commit a single error her junior year. Her, the entire year, as a catcher, you're touching the ball in every single play, every pitch. 
and people were afraid to steal on her. So definitely respect that. And I will say that overall, the recency bias with the fan vote actually could be a clear sign of the explosive growth we've seen with TV viewers and people just paying attention to softball more and more in recent years. And that's always a good thing. For the broadcaster team, for their vote, they did have Lisa, Natasha, and Stacy, And it was clearly geared more towards the old school players that we grew up seeing. And they've all been covering the sport for a long time, so that makes sense. They seem to recognize that the Rachel Garcia and Sis Bates and Aubrey Monroe players wouldn't exist without the players who came before them. And that's not to say that age is a factor. The game doesn't know how old you are, but I'm talking about the long-term impact. And these younger players will likely have that too. They've already started, especially with Rachel and Aubrey going to Tokyo next year. It's just that they're just getting started. Lisa, Natasha, and Stacy have already cemented their legacy. Also, fun fact, Jessica Mendoza was on both. Go card. Shout out to the 805. Her and Caitlin Lowe were actually the only ones to manage making it on both lists. So that just shows you how many great softball players there are for us to even choose from in the first place. And I just love seeing these softball discussions and debates in our community. It's just great to have that kind of conversation. And speaking of which, I have plenty of those conversations with my dad all the time. And we happen to record this one. So now let's hear our conversation. He has been my lifelong coach, actually been coaching softball for about 25 years, but getting on my case for almost 30. It's my dad, Richard Becerra. Thanks for joining, Dad. Okay, what an introduction. Okay, hi, sweetie. Nice to be here. <laughs> well, I, I just, hold on. I just want you to know that me and your mother are very proud of what you're doing with this. I think this is very impactful for the uh, sport itself. And um, I hope uh, people are paying attention to it. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Dad. That means a lot to me from someone who's a big part of the softball community, but also a very dad thing to do to start off that way. <laughs> and <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father's Day is coming up. And I feel like most Father's Days over the years with us uh, were spent doing something softball related. So here we go again, doing the same thing. How do you feel about that? Well, it's um, with the, these, uh, the situation that is taking place now, that's uh, quite an impact to what would be the norm. Um, we would be very much uh, talking softball, watching softball, um, listening to softball, but um, it's quite an impact to everyone right now with this pandemic and uh, things have changed. Um, I, I personally uh, really, really miss it. I'm sure a lot of people miss it. I know you miss it. You say that every every podcast. Um, but it's um, I don't know honestly where me and you or your mother or your family would be if we were in the middle of this. Um, it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, but um, it's been quite an impact. I see it. Uh, I see it out there. As you know, sweetie, I, I, I. I, I coach, I, I give instruction, and, and it's quite an impact to, to many kids, families, parents, all of it. And it's, um, it, it's really hard to, to know um, what really others are really going through this. I think they're trying to do what they can, from coaching to teams to any levels of rec ball, travel, high school, college, everything. It's, it's such an impact. 
um, I, I just hope it doesn't um, affect the, the growth that I see in this particular sport that uh, I've grown to love because of you and, and what you've done in your career. And uh, it's, uh, I, hope it, I hope it doesn't impact it in a negative way. Um, but again, things as, as, uh, such as what you're doing is, is gonna help. It's gonna help keep it alive and it's gonna help uh, keep it moving forward. So I, I, hope, um, I hope that's what happens with all of this. Yeah, and that was the goal when I started this too. The other thing is, yeah, it is very different from what we had. You know, we were doing travel ball tournaments Yes. for most Father's Days over the years. You know, remember when I went straight from grad night in high school, hopped on a plane to go qualify for nationals in Virginia? Yes. Like, yes. that's what we were used to. So it is kind of tough to think about all the young girls growing up now who aren't really able to do I, that. I mean, some softball is opening up again at the youth level, but it's a little sure. different than we're used to. Yes, it's um, again very impactful to to the differences here. But um, I, I think um, most are trying to do whatever there is. If it, if we were if it was me and you, um, we definitely you know we'd be uh, outside at the park uh, in the garage and the whatever getting the reps in. So we you know that throwing mechanics whatever it was hitting pitching all, we we'd be we'd doing what we have to do, and I do see that. But at the same time, um, I think people and individuals and, you know, uh, dads or moms as well uh, are feeling very limited as to what they can do. But hopefully uh, they do maintain the thought process there to, to still make something happen. Do something. Do something. Just, just don't sit back and let, let's see what happens. Do something. That's the part you're in control of, not the other. That's true, because even on rainy days or anything else, we always found a way to to make it work. Or even we used to chase lights a lot back in the day yeah. where we just we'd figure out which fields around town like had lights. And maybe it was one day it was one field, another day, another field. But we used to do that. We were like field hunters. Sure. Sure. Sweetie. I mean, especially a certain time of the year when the time changed, when you lost the uh, towards the evening light. Uh, I literally called it, follow the light, follow the light. I mean, you, you do what you have to do. If you drop to the side where the soccer team's practicing, you're over here trying to capture still some of the light that they have from the fields, and you're, you're, doing, you're doing what you can. I don't know if you remember home here by the tennis courts here, you know, uh, where uh, lights would be on, and, and we'd be setting up some nets and doing whatever we could uh, to get the reps in. Um, it is what it is, but you have to do what you have to do, so. Yep, that's true. I feel like, though, this year, I'm just kind of continuing the tradition. I keep going back to it, but, like, I'm co-opting Father's Day to make it about softball and make it about us. Do you remember both of my Stanford graduations for undergrad and grad school were on Father's Day? Yes, they were. And it was kind of nice because, obviously, you know, my brother and – sister-in-law Kovina and and Alyssa at the time before my nephew was born but you know we all got to spend that together but it was still kind of about me <laughs> and I I know that it's still Father's Day so at least you had everybody together but I feel like I've been stealing Father's Days from you for a long time no that could be more of a celebration to see you accomplish what you did it, to me it didn't matter it was Father's Day it was <laughs> it, it was our family day and, and that's how I saw it, you know, and we were all there celebrating what you accomplished. And um, uh, that was, uh, 
that was no loss for me. That was a, a blessing. So, With softball in particular, which was such a big part of Stanford and really my whole life and, and our relationship, obviously I love this game and you've always supported that. But I feel like it's always been a little bit more than just you support what I like. Like, you also love it. So what do you love about it? I was always felt very blessed and fortunate. You fell in love with the game that, that I do, um, baseball. And uh, you talk about missing something this time of the year. I'm missing the ML, MLB big time. But I, I couldn't be more fortunate as, as a father first. Um, getting involved to see that how much you loved it uh, so young to get <laughs> involved with the coaching aspect of it and then to realize how different it was coaching uh, uh, young little girls versus boys like your brother. It was quite a new experience for me, <laughs> especially learning what uh, cheering is all about. Um, for, <laughs> but um, it is what it is. And it belongs to it belonged to you, not me. It belonged to your teammates, all the other young girls. It, it, it is what it is. I adapted. I adapted to what belonged to you guys. So, for me, it, it was it was a, again a, a, a true blessing to be able to be part of that experience it together and to actually see where all this has gone for you. And do you remember when I decided I wanted to play softball? like how it happened? I vaguely do, but how do you remember it? You, you've always been quite an athlete. Um, you did all sports and we, me and your mother wanted you to experience all sports. Um, I always felt that in time you would reveal what you wanted to do if it wasn't even a sport or not. It was, it was just for the experience of it and hey, you know, try it. Have fun, do what you want to do. But softball always um, sort of dominated, you know, the other the other uh, experiences. And but when you seem to um, decide, it really was. Um, you were probably eleven, uh, maybe a little bit younger. But you did all these other sports: gymnastics, soccer, basketball, all of it. Um, and I'll throw this in. I wish they had lacrosse out here at that time because I, I really love that sport. I think you have been pretty pretty awesome at that. But it's something that um, you decided. Um, and it was tough. You actually, if you don't really remember that clearly, um, you almost went basketball. You know, but uh, you did love volleyball too. But it was like it was a crossroads there. Okay, uh, you know, you can't be at two practices at one time. Uh, on a club basketball team versus a travel softball team, um, you, you had to uh, make that that choice and the decision. And you did, and it didn't surprise me or your mother what, what choice you made. I, I saw that right away uh, when you first started. <laughs> I think they called it 7U at that time when you first started here on Camarillo up in Mission Oaks. And um, it just, uh, I think it was in your heart all the way. Others, others came along, if you will, but that was always there. Yeah, you made that choice, sweetie. I and did, and I, I remember two different moments with it. One was when I first ever decided to even try softball, like T-ball, like what you're talking about, which was back in like 1995. Um, yeah. And I remember, I think you had taken me to a Camarillo High School softball game. 
Mm-hmm. And I kind of turned to you and I was like, daddy, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's probably when you got all excited because you knew baseball and, and it was something that you liked as well. But then there was another moment, which was what you're talking about too, when I was 11 and I was kind of playing all these different sports and choosing between what I wanted to really pursue and go after for the long term. Mm-hmm. And it was because I, well, 11 sounds young, but I was at, in that mind space where I was ready to, to kind of go after it. So that was when I made that big decision between basketball and softball. And I'm really glad I did. And I think people have those moments like throughout their childhood um, and everything usually happens for a reason. Well, I, I'm an absolute believer in things happen for a reason. That, and that is it in a good way and in a bad way. But you, you always, you knew this. Um, and it's not like you didn't experience other sports. And that was the whole point of me and your mother getting you involved in all these things. Um, um, that's, that's why so young, you're right. Good point. It, it was young to go, Hey, this is what I, what I'd like to do. It is. Um, now there seems to be more, uh, openness, if you will, even at the college, college level regarding players doing other things, other sports, if you will, for you then it, not so, not so much. It was the thought process was to commit. We want to see a player that commits to this sport and really believes and this is what they want to do and but now there seems to be a little bit more openness to uh, uh experiencing other things and and you know you do commit anyways when you get to that point but a little bit older you know into high school you're seeing that a little bit more now and those who are able to do it i think it's great just be careful don't get hurt injuries all that kind of stuff but um coaching in the college level i think is more open to that your window wasn't quite that way, you know, but uh, I'm not sure you would have done that anyways. You just wanted softball and that was okay. You're absolutely right. I was, I remember when that happened at that high school game in Camarillo, I was like, I turned to your mother and said, she loves it. She loves it. I, I was, I was thrilled. I go, let's do this. Let's do this. But I still will tell you, I wasn't ready for all those cheers. <laughs> I I realized was part of the game so um what did you say it is what it is sweetie thanks <laughs> i got over it sweetie it is it is what it is so it's your sport <laughs> if i had a nickel for every time i heard you say it is what it is over my <laughs> lifetime i'd be a very rich woman <laughs> well yeah even if i got a penny i guess yeah sure yeah even a penny that's fine that would work but you said it too earlier, you know, you were a baseball guy. That's what you played growing up and what you loved and that you'd had to make the adjustment. And actually, over the years, I've met so many people that I've played with or played against or whatever it is. Dad's coaching daughters in softball seems to be really special. I think it happens across sports in general, but for some reason, softball feels like it's really special. And we saw it all the time. We'd see the same dads and daughters practicing at the same time as us all the time. So when I was, you know, four or five years old, just getting started, like, what did you do to kind of shift gears and get ready to teach me how to play softball? Well, for me, it was simply committing to it. You, you told me you wanted to do this. So I'm asking you to commit. I have to commit. Your mother has to commit. Our whole family core support. Commit slash support. I mean, you have to do what you have to do in order for this to give you a chance at success, at least the chance at it. 
It's simply to me committing to it. If that's um, uh, being fortunate to make an adjustment on a work schedule to whatever the case might be, um, it, it's tough. And it's so interesting because uh, we talk about sports athletes. All of it is is making adjustments, right? Let's throw that in there. You're making adjustments even to what your family function and system might have been at that time. Now we're throwing this in there. And I said, okay, we're going to have to make all these things. But the thing is, it has to happen together. Everybody has to do that in order for it to work. We're out there working hard, practicing, doing whatever. What's your mother doing? Taking care of dinner, doing all kinds, you know. We're doing this all all together. And from the the double whammy of the student athlete, as you go through that time, all this takes time. So how do you figure that out? You learn that time management through through that whole process, no matter what it is that you're doing. But you have to do it together and you have to figure all that out. You gotta have a plan to make this happen. It, it, you can't just go, we can't do this or we can't do that because realistically, you have to do it. You have to figure out how to do it, but you got to do it together. You're right. It was pretty much like the team at home. And then there was my Absolutely. team on the field, but it's all teamwork, really, at yes. the end of the day. Yeah. Like you said, commitment, though. And the other thing that you committed to is, you know, pretty much up until the end of high school for me. You had a very specific look. And anyone who ever played with me growing up or even people who played in SoCal growing up knows what I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? What, my ponytail? Yes, your ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I used to have? Yes, but um, you had it for the first 18 years of my life. Yes. Um, when did I let that go? I think it was, oh, was it 07? <laughs> About 13 years ago. Yes. Um, yes, I did. Um, it was, um, well, I'll go ahead and say it, it was about uh, 17 inches long and pretty, uh, pretty full and thick. And yes, I kind of, I guess I was known for that. Now I, I feel like it's, um, I, I can't stand any hair on my neck right now anymore. I, I, I have to, uh, Always uh, get a haircut and a trim, and a <laughs> I, I was known for that long ponytail. I, yeah, yeah, I was known as yeah. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much to say other than just owning it, which I think you did. But that that was back in the day when I could ask my dad, "Hey, do you, Dad, do you have a ponytail? Do you have a hair tie I can borrow?" And I didn't think anything of it. I was like, "Yeah, you know, that's that's how life works." That's not weird or different. And, you know, my uncles at the time, Uncle Angelo and Uncle Paul, your brothers both had ponytails too. So then I really didn't think it was weird or different. But it took me a really long time. It took me years to realize that technically, technically, you had a mullet. I, I did with, with a lot of hair in the backside. Yep, I, I, I really did. And then I started just letting it all grow out. And I eventually just, you know, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I was done. I, you know, you know, your mother honestly never really. Uh, my hair was longer than hers, and I think she didn't really like that. But yeah, um, you you did. It was more full. You did have more body than mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Yeah. Yes. Once I cut it, she said I grew up. So <laughs> there you go. You know, and, and it was gone. And well, yeah. yeah, that's why everybody said mullets were business in the front, party in the back. In the back. Didn't know what that meant, and then. <laughs> people were like oh well your dad had a long hair yeah so it was long in the back yes 
It was short in the front. Well, yeah, that's a mullet, Jenna. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, you just. Yeah, it was a mullet, but mine was way longer in the back than, you know, your standard mullet, I guess. But yes, I'm owning it. That's yeah. what it was, what I did. That's why people called you Billy Ray Cyrus. Yes, they did. And Johnny Damon. Yes, they did. <laughs> but, hey, I mean, there could be worse people to be compared to. Yeah, I, I guess, you know. <laughs> what do you always say, though? You're like, yeah, I wish I had their money, though. I don't have their money, but, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason I bring that up is because everyone I played with, when they thought of Coach Richard, like, you were so recognizable. People would always recognize us at the field, like, because of your mullet. And then, also, we were just always there. So, <laughs> it was hard to, to yeah, miss us. Yep. And do you remember... Uncle Angelo told us a story about how he had met somebody who played with me when they were traveling. Mm -hmm. What was that story again? I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what state that was, sweetie. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I want to say Nebraska or something like that. But yeah, there was um, a couple of players that you played with here locally. Uh, do you remember? Uh, I think it was Brittany. Brittany Ranolo and Jamie, her sister. And, and Jamie, her sister. That's right. They, I believe they ran, just happened to run into them. It was at a hotel for whatever reason. I'm not sure it was business travel for them. But I think they were uh, themselves were tournament or something. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Well, yeah, because my cousin Ryan was wrestling. at a wrestling tournament. And they, right. were, they right. got kind of like stuck somewhere. Right. And so was Jamie. I think it was Jamie who was also stuck there. Right. Right. They might have overheard, I think it was conversation or something. And your name, Jenna, and then they're like, wait a minute. Um, you know, they had asked them, Jenna, Jenna Becerra. Yeah, we know Jenna. Yeah, we know Jenna. Well, I'm her uncle. And I believe that was, are you Coach Richard's brother? You know? And, and yeah. 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 Small world. Just such a small world. Well, that's where it all started was CGSA, Camarillo Girls Softball Association. Yes, it did. And that's when I first met all my teammates and kind of understood what even having a teammate meant. But do you remember, too, growing up, we always had kind of a ragtag group on our rec ball teams. Mm -hmm. Because you, the ranking system, like we all had to try out and we'd be rated based on our skills. And whoever was rated highest their dad or that coach had to pick last, right? Yes, of the round. The way they system did it was a ranking system, rating system, and you were always rated and ranked the highest number. So when the way it started is I would always be the last in every round to pick a player. But I didn't focus on that like many others did, so concerned about the better player, the better player, you know, better team, strong team, win, all that. I, I, I didn't do that. It didn't matter to me. It was all about developing players like it was my thought process for you. Developing players in the sense of very young to understand, didn't care about winning, didn't care about losing. It was your foundation. If you're going to take this further, you need to have the foundation. <laughs> I'll go ahead and say this, uh, Liam Neeson. A particular set of skills needed to be developed, okay, and that's what I focused on. And I did that 
just the same as your teammates. I believe the weakest link, the strongest we can make that player, everybody, everybody was lifted. And we focus on that. And if you remember through the season, we didn't win much. We didn't do very much <laughs> celebration regarding the big W, but everybody got better and better and better. At the end of the season, there was always these playoffs that they had set up. And I said, okay, that's when Showtime is going to take place. And that's when he did it. And through the whole season, everybody got better and better and more confident and stronger and believed in themselves. And when it came to Showtime, to me, I felt like I just cut everybody loose. And basically, we took care of business. <laughs> we did take care of business. We went to the championship every time. Yes, I know, sweetie. I know. The focus wasn't that. The focus was the individuals, all the players, and you guys all stepped up, took care of business, <laughs> and finished it. So, you know, medals, trophies, whatever it was. That, to me, that wasn't – it was them and you, all, all your teammates, all believing in yourselves that you could, could do this. And, and that was the end result for each season anyway. You know what I mean? So. Well, I would also say that the mullet was was lucky. Can you agree? Well, <laughs> wasn't wasn't there one? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think there was one time where I was being challenged. Or I was to cut it if something happened. I, I really don't recall what it was, but it was like I made a big old deal out of it. But whatever it was did not happen. I did not end up cutting my hair at that time. But I think it was. Um, Somebody said that they were going to win or beat us or something. I, I don't know what it was, but again, end of the season type thing. And nope. So basically, we won. So yeah, we won. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind I vaguely remember that actually. Like there was some sort of bet, but yeah. you ended up though. For the record, you ended up donating it when you did cut it. Yes, it did. Years later, yeah. Locks of love, and I believe that was uh, summer '07. Um, that I donated it. So it wasn't a total before the gray all started, you know, coming through and um, gray doesn't do kids any good. So I was prior to all that. They had plenty of hair to work with. So I, I definitely did that. That was a, that was something I definitely was uh, very glad to do. It was really cool. That was one of the, you know, early, I hadn't heard much about locks of love until that, that was like my first time ever hearing about it. And it was pretty cool that that's kind of how, how it went out. Yes. Yes. I remember the, the day it was cut off. The kind of the, when I went in, the lady who cut my hair at the time, um, when I went in and I told her, she's like, what? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. Constantly. Probably asked me half a dozen times. I said, absolutely. I'm going to donate it. That kind of changed the thought process. I mean, oh, that's exciting. That's that's great. And I remember the whole business sort of like froze. And she was like, oh, my God, here I go. You know, she had it and just clipped. And the room kind of like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was gone, you know, so cleaned it up. And there it was. But uh, yes, donated it. I was thrilled to do that. But before that was travel ball. And mm -hmm. when I first started travel ball, you were an assistant coach on my first couple of teams. You were the head coach almost every year in rec ball. And you would coach me as well as like the rest of the team. And you were an assistant for my travel ball days. When did you know 
that I could have a real future in softball? It actually happened pretty early. You were being chased uh, when you were playing rec ball, Jenna, by travel ball teams. They actually were coming out watching you play. And I, I didn't really think much of that. I kind of honestly didn't like the fact that, you know, who are you? Uh, why are you eyeballing my daughter? She's just out here trying to, you know, play game, have fun. But it was more than just one coach, just several teams. And I'm like, okay, this, uh, this is a higher level. They see something in her. And I opened myself to that. Me and your mother would talk about it. And then you were asked and invited to come out and, you know, play. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be interesting. It'd be a good challenge for you, for her. She's going to see, you know, this is a, it's going to be tough. You know what I mean? This is a step up. You got to, you got to see where you're at. I guess good measurement for that. And uh, of course you go out there and you're the one that dominated. You're the one that went out there and did the hitting, you pitched, you did. I'm just like, this is what, what, wait a minute, what, what's happening here? You know, and to myself, and I realized, wait a minute, she has the foundation. She has the skill set to make this move. We talked about it. You were excited about it. You really, really, really wanted to do it. And uh, we made that decision and we made the move. And, um, well, okay, cliche, the rest is history. So you all started there and kept developing, kept growing, opened up more opportunities, you know, and what you wanted, your dream, your goal, happened. A lot of hard work, though. Yeah, it was. And I, as I get older, I really don't know how we traveled all over the place, literally every single weekend for tournaments, like from mm -hmm. driving from Ventura County to Orange County constantly. We started eventually in high school kind of era, flying to Colorado for recruiting, like Oklahoma City for nationals. Most of my birthdays, you know, mm -hmm. August 9th, I'm a August baby, we're out of state for nationals because yeah. we were at a tournament. And now that I've been in the working world, I really have no idea how you and mom worked full time all week and then did that all weekend and then turned around and had to do it all again on Monday. So just how is that possible? Well, as I said earlier, when you have to make these adjustments, it just isn't you, all of us, it has to be the team, it has to be a plan, the whole thought process to really make it all work. I mean, and sweetie, it, it's, you, you were the one home. Your brother was, was not here. So think about other families with uh, multiple siblings, you know, two or three. And let's just say they're doing different sports as well. So that can split up families and stuff. So I, I, I look at it in a little bit different, more positive way to say, hey, we didn't have that scenario, that type of thing. So we were able to, you know, a little bit more commitment, a little bit easier to plan and, and do it together. Not that it was very easy. It was still very difficult, but we did it together. That's why it worked. You know, it, it, you have to plan for it and commit to it, but with tremendous sacrifice. As you know, through all the through all the years, there's a lot that you gave up. The friends just doing things and hanging out, and and when you say, yeah, well, in another way, oh well, yes, I'm going to be down here. Or, no, I'm traveling. You know, summertime, right? All the big. Uh, 
tournaments, you know, nationals, all the, you know, it's like um, you miss out on certain things, but you did the big things. You were able to still participate in the big things, even though you mentioned you went to the prom. But what did we do? As soon as you got home, we're there, airport, flying out to Virginia. You know what I mean? Right after that, you got uh, what little sleep you could, you know, and um, you did what you had to do. You know, you were extremely tired. You ended up throwing throwing a no-hitter against what was considered one of the best teams in the country. And I started thinking, well, maybe she shouldn't sleep. Maybe she should just well, just keep going here because that, that was incredible. But that's not realistic. We know that it was something that um, happened. And, um, yeah, you uh, <laughs> you do it. You, again, I know I said it, but you do what you have to do. Yeah, that was the Virginia Shamrocks. I remember that really well. Uh, obviously but sometimes you know for me some of my best games were something like that where maybe I was a little sleep deprived but or when I was sick basically where I just couldn't think too much so (laughs) I just went out and played and then that ended up being the best game yeah too tired to overthink anything just just get out there and do it so all them years all them reps all that time uh just comes together and muscle memory (laughs) everything is just even the mental side, I mean, I know we haven't talked much about that, but it's both, you know, physical and the mental side. Your approach, you just uh, take care of business, and that's what you do. You fall right into, fall right into it. Well, yeah, and with the dynamic of a dad coaching a daughter, because here's the thing: is you were my head coach in the rec ball days. You were an assistant coach in the beginning of the travel ball days, and then, but really throughout the entire time going into high school and then even college, I basically had my own private instruction with you and it was wasn't just about the games it was actually a lot had to do with practice in terms of our dynamic and you're one of the most disciplined people I've ever met and anyone that knows you also says that like to the nth degree to the point where people were asking me if I had to practice on Christmas Eve well actually Christmas I said no (laughs) Christmas Eve that's yes. right. Not cr- no to Christmas, but yes to Christmas Eve. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Christmas is not true. I know some of your old friends, teammates, you know, said no. Was it Christmas? But Christmas Eve, it, we did. And it's true, because even when we'd be in Barstow with the extended family, even in college, I'd be still getting my conditioning in or whatever it was that I was supposed to do Yeah. on the yeah. holidays. You have to do what you have to do. You also have to rest and i think sure. we both know i probably could have been better at that <laughs> looking back sure. resting maybe a little bit more sure sure absolutely that that is that's very important you know and but i will say with all that thrown in there your your mother was the great one at balancing the whole thing you know where i know i'm saying hey we got to do this you know we're on it we're on it we got to take care of this and but at the same time sometimes you go you know what not now Tomorrow, yeah it depends okay. Yep. yep. You have to figure out when to push and when to, you know, yeah. Well, you never had to push you, you know, you know what you had to do. And it was just, uh, you know, we, uh, we did what we did. And we always used to in rec ball, like start practicing early again to get back into the groove before tryouts and season started. Then with travel ball in high school, you know, I'd practice extra with you on our own after high school practice, like, doing extra work was just always something that I wanted to do, but that you also instilled in me. But we obviously know we've joked about it so many times that over the years we've had plenty of arguments 
<laughs> any father daughter softball do I've ever met knows exactly what I'm talking about. So I'll give you the floor now. When were you most frustrated with me? And what times over those years? I actually have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Sure. Just kidding. Frustration with you? I don't think it was frustration it was with you, sweetie. It was frustration with, I think, the uh, running out of time to do to do things or, or more things or a little bit more work at that, work at this. Um, uh, perhaps, um, you know, I showed frustration in that at times, especially a window of like your high school experience, your high school years with with the practices. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, you could be out there two, two and a half hours and not much was getting done. So we do that extra work afterwards, you know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, we have to do this. But again, uh, the focus had to be on, okay, that was a waste, but let's take care of the business that we got to do here, you know, and then it's, uh, well, you, you know more than me. You go home and have to figure out, you know, time management, time management, right? Eat and do homework. And, you know, it's tough. It, it, it was really tough. There's more to it than just, you know, we're sitting here talking softball. Again, it's, it's the impact of the whole family. Again, it could be multiple siblings. It was just you, you know, at that time. So perhaps a little bit easier, but still very difficult. You got to do what you have to do. Frustration, I think really for me was the fact that, you know, wow. I, I, and you know how I am. I, you don't waste time. You make the most being productive and efficient. And seeing that was, was frustrating for me. You still had to pay a bit of a price for that because the extra sometimes wasn't extra. It was almost like do over and let's do it right this time, you know, for another hour and a half. And then, then, then let's go home, you know. So um, frustrated, uh, I would say that's really where it was for me was like, wow, okay, let's let's make this up if we can. And that was difficult to do. And, and I'm sure harder on you. Yeah, I also think that. I didn't think I had an attitude at the time when we would be practicing, <laughs> but looking back, I'm, I can, I can admit that I probably did. Um, at times. And, and so I remember one time in particular where you were in the dugout, you were coaching. This is when I was younger. And I think you were calling the, the pitches and I was pitching cause I was a pitcher shortstop growing up and you, I think, had like kind of said something to me about something I should do, some coaching point or something. And I might have even had my mouth guard in and I was, I told you to shut up. <laughs> and then as soon as it came out of my mouth, my life flashed before my eyes because you just go, time out. And you, you just walk to the mound. Do you remember that? I remember that. Do you remember where it was? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember that. Yep, that's that was just more of a line of crossing, uh, uh, being disrespectful uh, to me. Do you remember what I told you? I think you said something about that you would embarrass me in front of everybody or something. Well, I said uh, I came out here and I'm sure you were embarrassed, but I told you not to ever do that again. You know, just just play the game, do it, but don't don't ever do that again. Yes, I, I believe if I recall right, I said this is probably very embarrassing to you, but I didn't care. 
because of what you did. So, so it was, it was, don't ever do that again. You know what I mean? Just, let's just play this game and finish this. But uh, I know I, I saw, I saw your face when I was coming, when I was coming to the mound. And what was interesting is I saw the face of the umpire too. <laughs> and that was, that was interesting. And I remember the coaches of your team were like, Oh shit! <laughs> you know, and the parents. I I remember that the parents. You know, time. I remember that, sweet. But how how are you not, and not to lose sight of you, your teammates, your your players. You're trying to tell me you don't get frustrated too. I mean that that's the reality, and and I'll sit here and tell uh, there's you know other dad coaches listening into this that. Don't forget that. Don't forget that they're, they're people too. You know, don't forget what they're trying to do, what they're going through, the frustrations that they have. It, it's more like, you know, that was disrespectful, sweetie, but, but you released some frustration too. And that is what it is. Um, did anything happen after that mound meeting? Do you remember anything ever? No. That's why I brought it up was because I could count on my hand, on one hand, how many times anything like that ever happened in terms of me acting that way. But the realities though, of when you have that relationship where it's like, you're my dad, but you're also my coach, anybody in that situation, like there are emotions and there is like an extra layer of dynamics that goes into it. Like, that's just how it is. Anyone. I mean, I was talking with Tori Tyson in the most recent episode and she was talking about how her dad, Marty, with the Corona Angels, right? That's she was good. like, I didn't cry. Not because I couldn't or didn't want to, but because Marty didn't let me cry. You know, like, <laughs> there's just an extra something about it. And, you know, I think about Delaney Willard, you know, from Camarillo, went to BYU. We saw her and Jack Willard, her dad, constantly out there. And it was the same exact thing. <laughs> They'd be practicing over there. We'd be over here and we'd see them constantly. And you could tell the certain days <laughs> for us when we were both on the same page or when we were kind of had some tension and same with them, you know, oh, like, of course. We all that, tell. that's real. That's reality. You know, there's no perfect situation that that's you're in, you know, you're in La La Land. If that's what the case is. But, um, but it's gotta be, I'm going to sit here and tell you, it has to be dad first before coach because you're supporting something that you're, you're, you love. Either you're going to destroy it or you're going to support it and, and want you to be as successful as possible at what you're wanting to do, your goal, your dream, whatever that is. It's always dad first. Yes, slash coach. What I'm saying is it's not coach slash dad. It really is dad slash coach. You have to balance that too. That's just the truth. That's the reality in you. And you figure things out along the way, and you know, of course, things happen. But in the end, guess what? It's still that's my daughter, and I'm your dad. For anyone, that's the end of the day, you know. And um, it's just the experiences along the way. Well, and your dad first, but not in the sense of what a lot of people feel like they see today, and and some of the frustrations where it's like, even when I was growing up, where you know, oh 
the dad's daughter gets to play the most or the dad's daughter gets this or that or oh she's playing because her dad coaches the team with you I think we can agree and I think anyone that knows us can agree that you are always harder on me than anyone else I I was I was uh, and I'll sit here and tell you yes I I was perhaps looking back it, it was a way to not necessarily counter what you just said but it's to see the hard work, you know, for others to see the hard work that you put in, you know, into it. I mean, it was it was constant where, yeah, I could have been the dad that's always, you know, and there's a lot of it out there. I realize that. But that's not really helping you or the player, the daughter or whatever. Take you at shortstop. And, yeah, you're the shortstop. And, you, you know, all, no. Jenna, if you remember, I put you at first base because you were the one that can consistently catch the ball. When I was really little, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm developing these other players to be able to learn the position and strengthen their arms and understand range and third, short, second coverages, all, all the fundamental one-on-one basic, you know, learning the game. But yet, no one would catch the ball, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I stuck you over there. And I literally at times would have parents, how come Jenna's at first? She should be at short. You go, no, that's not, that's not helping the team function here. or uh, success at, at all she she needs to be there and we're you know I'm, I'm working on these other players to get better at what they're doing and and again that that's how it always worked towards the beginning of that season to the end of that season where it always ended up being and that's why we had the success we had it wasn't about you believe it or not and the team sense you know yeah I'm out there supporting you I'm coaching sweetie we're we're working hard we're doing all that but it was a team, you know what I mean? It was a team that we put together, and you were part of that team. You weren't the team. You were part of that team. We built the blocks from that, and um, we were fortunate and blessed to have a lot of success with it. So, you know, even as you got older, too, even in a travel ball. I didn't want to coach in travel ball. You know that, sweetie. I, I didn't want to. We did our thing, and you know this. They, they pulled me in. You know, I never really wanted to do that. I wanted to be, hey, she's doing her thing now, man. This we're stepping up here and me and her are gonna do the work and here we go, support her and, and but I, you know, would get pulled into it and from parents and coaches and okay, let's do this. You know, and if I can help in that sense too, I, I realize that it's helping you too at the same time. So let's do it. You know what I mean? So I, I was open to that and willing to do that and it just fell into place that way. Yeah, because you di- we did always talk about, you and mom would talk to me about how, you know, letting me kind of spread my wings. So like, yes, you were gradually over the years in terms of the official capacity and coaching for my team that faded over time, but the private instruction obviously was still there the whole time. But yeah, but yeah people w- were were attracted to that in some ways where they, you know, I'd have friends that would start to do the extra work with me and, and that mm-hmm. stuff. But it was an interesting point that you were saying too, which is basically that almost that you and I were also an example in terms of working hard. You're asking, you know, me as well as all of my teammates to work hard. And you're even asking parents at the younger ages to help facilitate that, you know, to support or, or lend a hand however they can in the practice. I was very fortunate that you actually had played. So you were able to literally throw with me and hit grounders to me. Like you had those skills to be able to do that. But we were in doing that, I hadn't thought of that explicitly before that with how hard you and I were working, it was an example to everyone else as well. Yes. I I think it helped um, for others to see that. And uh, 
I think in some ways, it kind of nudged them to step up a little bit, I, I think, you know, so, and that's fine. I mean, did we focus on that? No, we just simply still did what we did. And you're so right about others asking to, hey, uh, join in Jenna's, Jenna's workouts and, you know, all that. And sure, sure. You know, I mean, no problem. And, and you mentioned the, the private instruction. That, that just came from, from people coming up and I would like you to work with my kid. You know what I mean? And your point of example, I guess they saw the result in you and it went from there. So that's part one of my conversation with my dad. And it's been really fun reliving the youth and travel ball days. And in part two next week, we'll dig even more into the father-daughter dynamic and how it translated to college softball and beyond and the impact that it had and still has on our lives. And one thing that my dad actually used to tell me when I first started playing and when he first transitioned from a baseball mindset over to softball is that I would never throw like a girl. And over time, we both realized that it was actually about changing what it meant to throw like a girl and that it can be just as good, if not better than the boys. It's a positive thing. But in general, having a good arm was important to us and ended up being a key part of my game, especially when I played on the left side of the infield. So this week's double play tip is about throwing. So physically, it's about the strength of the throw. And to do that, you have to use your whole body. So to actually, just to call it having a good arm, that actually doesn't completely accurately describe it because to make a strong throw with some oomph behind it, you know, that requires you to leverage your body head to toe. So the biggest thing here that people don't always do is using your legs. So you keep a bend in them and you almost load off of your back foot and transfer your weight to your front foot the way you do in hitting, right? You even sync that transfer up with the rotation of your upper body at the same time. So you're leveraging that torque that will create momentum as your arm goes through its motion and you snap that ball out of your hand. This is also how to avoid arm injuries too. If you use your whole body, there's less stress on your shoulder or your elbow. So mentally, this is to me what helps with accuracy as well. You have to think about setting yourself up for success at all times. So the default should be to always position yourself in the direction towards your target. So let's, we'll start from the ground up with your feet. Let's say you're throwing to first base. Your lead foot, which is the opposite foot of your throwing arm, steps towards where you're throwing. Okay. When you raise your arm to throw, your front hip and your front shoulder, so of your glove arm, are actually in line with your front foot pointed to first base. Some people point their glove to the target, some people bend their arm and point their lead elbow toward the target. Either way, your feet, your hips, and your shoulders are aligned in the same direction. And you even wanna turn your head that way. I mean, it makes it a heck of a lot easier when you're actually looking at where you're trying to throw. But with this, a quick release is also really important. And sometimes, you know, with fast runners, you just have to get rid of it, like Jeter would do in the air in the five-six hole, the throw that he made famous. But he still aligned himself and leveraged as much momentum as he could. And for most plays, ideally, you just get better and faster at setting yourself up this way, and you get a feel for it. So that's the physical and mental side of throwing. Use your whole body to create strength and set yourself up for accuracy. 
that's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and of course, Believe.com. Subscribe, keep rating and reviewing and share, especially with all those softball dads and daughters, you know, there's so many of us. Please share and hit me up on Twitter as usual at JennaBecerra01 and on Instagram at JennaBecerra. Thanks for listening to part one. Catch you soon for part two. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.